You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the 124th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt, the Matt Dog Allen in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, this is Spencer Howe in Boston, Massachusetts, guys. Did you did you have a good week off? Yeah, because road season's completely over, and now we're into cyclocross season. We take one week off, and it's like the entire calendars well you know the the leaves yeah. change the season changes and uh, here we are in full-on cross season Two yeah it's just like yesterday in. it was just like yesterday it was 95 degrees in spain and now it's 95 degrees in iowa city iowa yeah is that warm for the world cup oh yeah oh, well little guy i tried calling you several times during the races and you were choosing not to answer my phone call that's true i decided to not answer your phone call. I, I decided rather than answering your phone call or watching the World Cup or going on a bike ride, I said, you know what I want to do? I want to tear an entire roof off and rebuild it because that sounds like more fun. So that's what I did instead. Well, and to be fair, I also ignored Tim's uh, phone calls, but I didn't have any good excuses. I just didn't want to talk to him. You were doing a 15-hour day on the roof? No. no. Just mm. watching the I'm a little disappointed for you. Not at you, but for you, that you weren't able to go to Jingle Cross after all the years of us making the pilgrimage to Iowa City, Iowa. That's true. Yeah. The world kind of finally shows up, and I none know. of us were there. I know. I'm bummed. Because um, <laughs> I'm also kind of annoyed, I mean, and only in the way that you can be like if you've known about a good band for a long time and now yeah. everybody's into it. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm glad for Jingle Cross, but seeing all these people being like talking about how the course was so hard and so epic and this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been there. I've done that. And I've had to hear people be like, whatever. It's probably not as cool as like Providence or some bullshit. We've been doing it's it for the 10 hardest years. <laughs> course in yeah. the world. And it's usually cold. It yeah. was warm, you little babies. Yeah. Well, you got to wear well, t-shirts. And see, so had... not only is Jingo Cross the indie rock of the scene, what is it for you, Spencer? Well, I had the same experience because I went to a, a jingle cross watching party here in boston oh really that's so <laughs> yeah. crazy what yeah. happened to this world right and uh and i was you know obviously the only person who had been to the race before and was like this section is so hard you guys have no idea how hard this <laughs> section is and they were looking yeah. at the run-up and being like oh my god it's crazy and then i was like wait 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 for it the camera's gonna pan and turn and you'll see how much worse it gets and then it did and everybody's mind yeah. was blown it was i had kind of the same experience you're talking about where everyone's like oh my god this looks crazy and you're like it is it is i've been saying it's the best race in the country for like 10 years it's so good so, so. this was the 10th year of jingle cross i believe yeah really? and i think we went to the second one on yeah we, I think we to... started year two we didn't go to the first year and i remember reading about the first year and then we were like, dude, we got to go hit that with the, the squad. But yeah, this is the 10th edition, I believe. And so they wait. deserve a lot of credit of getting a World Cup to Iowa City, Iowa, which for all extents and purposes um, seems to have gone off mostly without a hitch, regardless yeah. of you know something we'll talk about in a little bit 
in regards to UCI officialdom. But um, overall, congratulations to John Meehan and the organizers yeah. of that race for putting together Indeed. a World Cup. Always a great event. And yeah, it looks like they really took it to the next level this year. So estimates are about 10,000 people. I think that might be a little bit high um, from what I saw. But I mean, you know, I'm not going to like split hairs here. Yeah. I would definitely say there is... There's definitely more than 5,000 people there. Um, yeah. That hill they... was surprisingly full. Like, yeah, seeing the yeah. video and looking at the hill and being like, okay, that usually has, like, four people on it. That's amazing. The, the hill was pretty full. There was definitely sections of the course that were completely empty. Um, but, you know... But that happens all race, kind of races. Exactly. Yeah. And even at regular World Cups, they have that. What is nice about the Jingle Cross course, though, on the hill is that you could see a lot of the course overall. I mean, you can see yeah. where people are. So it's a great place to spectate. Um, and we'll talk about Cross Vegas in a little bit. But I thought overall Jingle Cross was a success. I would love to see, and I, and I think it could happen because of the way that the promoter, John Meehan, who is a, um, a doctor by trade, um, has kept that race going by the sponsorships to the pediatric hospital. Mm-hmm. in yeah. Iowa City. So he's able to get a lot of um, non-industry sponsors. Um, Volkswagen uh, donates a lot of money. So I think that's pretty cool. And I could see this race continuing. We'll talk about Jingle Cross in a little bit, but there's no reason why Jingle Cross is not on the World Cup calendar again next season. Oh, no, yeah. I'd say it definitely is. It looked great. And it seemed like a lot of the riders were super uh, yeah, I saw uh... like excited about not being like spit at and like... <laughs> And like the not being like food, yeah. food because they were fourth place and well, not second, you know. There was there was one documented case of beer spraying on the world champion that uh, that person's uh, getting shamed I, on the internet. But yeah. overall, I thought Jingle Cross. I, I know exactly what you're saying, little guy. Now the question I have was it the perfect situation in that it poured rain that the heavens opened two nights before the race so that the, yes. the track was completely mud? I Think agree. about yeah. what it would have been like if it was dry. I mean, would there be a lot more complaints about how hot it was yeah. um, and the course? Well, I mean, I, sometimes it's worse when it's it's that hot and the ground's that wet. You get that serious humidity. I'm sure that was hard. But I'm glad it was muddy because the last six years that I've been there, it's been just so muddy and so hard. And I was really worried that it was just going to be hot, dry, and fast. And that's not the that's not the Jingle Cross experience I know. The Jingle Cross mm-hmm. experience I know is getting stuck in ruts mm-hmm. and like breaking stuff because of the mud. And Absolutely. that while Van Ert got like a wood chip stuck in his derailleur, I've had that same thing there where like you, you, you get all muddy and you <laughs> ride on the paths and then stuff just gets stuck in your derailleur and breaks. I remember things. the first time I mean, you that's... were you were gonna finish so that was on a the wood lead chip, lap huh? in the in the UCI race, little guy. You got that little rock stuck in your chain watcher. And it yep, jammed up and it your just chain. Jammed. And then you so were that done. was the, that that it was a it was a wood chip. That's what uh, they they discovered in the after um, race stories because they didn't. Tim Johnson didn't know what it was when he was doing the commentary. He thought maybe that, this the chain came off the cassette. No, that's what I heard. A wood chip, and that's that is a common jingle cross thing. Is because you is. go to so many different surfaces, you're always so muddy, and then there's these like gravelly paths and these wood chippy areas, and you're just picking stuff up and jamming it. It's a so, it's a bike killing place. I mean, it every is, year I've it been is. there. It's it's now, where derailleur hangers go to die. Now you're talking about uh, Van Art, of course, takes the victory. Was way off the back, or not off the back, but maybe in like seventeenth, twentieth place for a little while. After the little mechanical comes back, takes the victory. Um, big stories there for us. 
American fans and Patriots was, of course, that Stephen Hyde gets a solid 10th place finish. At one point, he was like in 25th place. Kevin Pauls with the drive side dismount in second, and Lawrence Sweek of the drive side dismount in third place. Oh man, um, you must have been really pumped. I didn't even think about that. That was a double <laughs> drive side podium. It was a drive set. It was a drive side dismount sandwich on the podium. Do you think uh, when those guys bring their bikes up to the podium for the podium photos at the end uh, for the podium bikes, do you think they set them the other other direction so the the drive side <laughs> uh, is not out for the photo? I think those I, guys I are of a class so. above where they now, never even <laughs> consider. I have to admit, guys, it was a little strange to find myself cheering for Kevin Powell's as the old guy uh, in the race, and he's only 32 years old. I know he's younger, younger um, than us, and he's old. So, but just, Stephen Hyde, a solid 10th place. I I don't think he's getting full credit for what he was able to do. I mean, he was pretty deep down in the field, down in the middle 20s, and he just started clawing his way back with some pretty fast times. Um, yeah. It's kind of like if he had maybe another lap or two, maybe he would have, because uh, he lost the sprint to Toon Arts for um, ninth place, but um, it would have been, uh, yeah. been pretty cool. Yeah. Jingle Cross uh. is, is one of those courses that, like, if you can figure it out, like, you can ride it pretty fast and make up time on people because there's so much technical stuff going on. Like, that yeah. descent... The ascent, the climb is is tough enough, and then immediately after you do this pretty, you know, so, ridiculous descent, like Koppenberg style. Like I heard some of the Euros comparing it to the Koppenberg race, which is pretty cool to hear. And Rob Peters so, tweeting that it was the hardest race he's ever done. So before we get into the the women's disaster of a race, um, and we talk and give them the credit that they fully deserve for Iowa City, I do want to point out one thing I did not like, and um, was that. The way that the the UCI, I don't know if they forced the race directors to do this, but they've had to they pulled back the fencing around yeah. the pit lane, and so all of a sudden, what was all mud on the Friday night race, all of a sudden had this nice wide, fresh green track for the World Cup, whereas like there wasn't a mud section, so it was a relatively mud free race versus what it should have been or could have been on um on a uh, Friday evening or Saturday. Sorry, yeah. so. Yeah, you know, it was kind of lame. I thought, like, it kind of took away from what that race course could have really been like. Yeah, I don't know, man. It was already the hardest race that Rob Peters has ever done. You really need it to be harder. <laughs> yes, I do. It's now true. let's get into let's get into the race that uh, matters, um, and that is, of course, American Katie Compton taking the victory at Iowa City um, mm-hmm. for Jingle Cross World Cup number two yeah, with a dominating awesome. performance over Carolyn Monty and then American Kate, the other Katie, Caitlin Antonu, getting third, a solid third place. Katarina Nash in fourth was up there racing with Katie Compton but ripped the derailleur off her bike. It was her luck that she was very close to the pit, so yeah. she only finished 50 seconds down on Katie Compton. Now, the saddest thing is that Caitlin Antonu got third place only five seconds behind Carolyn Monty. And I have to think that if the race was actually the real race distance of what the UCI's rulebook said and not the 37 minutes of which they raced, but actually the um, 40 to 50 minutes that's dictated by the rules, that Caitlin Antonow would have finished in a very solid second place on the podium. And Mm -hmm. um, Ellen Noble probably would have had a good chance of catching katarina nash from what i can tell for a fourth place yeah 
Katie Antonu was definitely moving forward. Um, I wouldn't say Mani was moving backwards, but Antonu was definitely moving forwards at that point in the race. And yeah, like you said, 37 minutes is pretty embarrassingly short for a World Cup event. They were turning nine-minute laps, and I don't know what official was doing the math when they when they turned a nine minute lap and were like, okay, times four, yeah, that's close. That's between forty and fifty. No, they could have done two additional laps and been just barely over the fifty minute like maximum. You know, that's that's that, really far off. It's embarrassing, and there should be some accountability. Now, when I look to see who the UCI uh, technical director was of this race, it was Sean Farrell who you may remember was the USA Cycling technical director a while back. Mm-hmm. And I believe it would have been his call at this race as he was acting as the chief UCI commissaire. I could be wrong, but that's what was in the race Bible. Um, I would like to know exactly what the thought process there and how the UCI plans to hold the officials accountable because this is a, this is something that all of the Twitter world quickly figured out that they were one lap too short and you could have figured it out after the first lap because if they're saying that your first lap was what nine minutes then if you yeah. to get to 40 you multiply that by five total laps like yeah. or whatever it is it's very simple to get into that route it's not like there's a 37 <laughs> minutes is embarrassingly it's, short Yeah, it's not a very long a logarithm that they have to figure out yeah it's 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 one multiplication because <laughs> i think they did they did what four laps for the women's they race did four th- laps and which is in you know, that's yeah. not even really a I race. Mean, my, that's that's my... saying eight-minute laps. and yeah, That's how many laps they let me do when I do Jingle Cross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's how many laps they let most of the Cat 4 women do in normal races. You know. Like... Yeah, that's a nine. That's a nine-minute lap or whatever. They could have, even after the first lap, even if the first lap was extremely fast at eight, they could still multiply it out by five and be like, oh, we're that's at 40 so we're a little bit low so maybe we go one more which is even just like you were slow. saying spencer even if they did 10 minute lap they they should have got four laps you know but exactly anyway um it, yeah. it was a uh, huge screw up on within the national international spotlight you know which it's a big enough it, screw up that there needs to be a comment on it from yeah. the uci technical directors because I agree. they made a big deal about this rule and about giving women as close to equal play pay as they can or play, sorry. And this feeds into the whole Belgian promoter, like discontent of giving equal prize lists to women by saying, well, you're not racing as much. Well, it's kind of hard for the women to race as much when they're getting totally screwed out of it by the officials that are there to supposed to protect them. Yeah. And it was, it was very sad to see, especially when we had um, Katie Antonio coming hard for second place yeah, and, and, and not being able to, um, experience it it's hard to say you know like uh in a, in, a, in a race that short only four laps when someone like katarina nash of her caliber and quality like rips a derailleur off and has to change a bike that's exciting racing right like you need that's a storyline that you want to follow as a fan and you want to have like time for that to play out can she get back can she do it like will the miracle happen you know what i mean like and you don't get to see that in four laps. It's over too quick. There's no way she was getting back, and and that's unfortunate. You know, like as a I don't know, as someone who's who's raced Jingle Cross a lot, like like little guy was saying earlier, like it's a it's a 
bicycle destroying machine of a race like it like things happen all the time like more time on that course would have made more storylines could have like katie compton yeah. could have had a flat or, or chain break or whatever like yeah could happen to anyone at any time um you know well like, that i mean that and that too what you're saying that totally plays out in the men's race and that like van Aert. Hyde, like all these guys, mm -hmm. they didn't move up till the end of the race. Like it was yeah. a slow build. It's not like a lead group formed after a lap and that was it. Yeah. And they battled it out. It, it, a lot of people like came to the front, tried it. It's too early. Like it's a hard race. You can't go too early on. No, you, you know, can't. You, you got to save your energy toward the end. So, yeah, more time really yeah. makes for a better race. There. You chop a lap off that men's race and it's a different result. Like the sheet is different, you know? Yeah, it's anyway. I know I get. I mean, I, I, was, I, I, I it can't take away from Katie Compton's victory. No, it doesn't. But it sucked to see that another American that could get a very solid second place that we know is going to be racing a ton over in Europe and really help start position and really start to build up the confidence in Caitlin Antonio mm -hmm. gets like a third place, which easily could have been a second. Um, Sophie DeVore, and this goes back to Cross Vegas, who won Cross Vegas in fairly dominant fashion, like did a very good job there. Mm -hmm. Only finished in seventh. Eva Lechner, fan of the podcast, friend of the podcast, got eighth place overall, um, sporting some amazing sunglasses, by the way. But, I mean, I don't know, guys. Jingle Cross, great success. No. <clears throat> Only one disappointing part, and it had nothing to do with the promoters. It had everything to do with um, inept UCI officials. Now, see, there were... <clears throat> excuse me. There were a few hiccups maybe or uh eyebrow raising things about the jingle cross weekend which you know aren't necessarily knocks against the race at all but uh the scheduling is is pretty tough like when you think about these these folks doing their eighth race in uh a week and a half in 10 days or something like that's yeah. pretty crazy like and a lot of people didn't stick around for that c1 on sunday and uh there's a pretty know, good amount of Euro dudes there, but not the biggest Euro dudes. Yeah, really, you other don't. Other than like Sweek. You can't blame them for skipping it, but at the same time, you'd like to see them there, you know. But you're packing in Trek, two days of that with the C1, then the World Cup on Wednesday, and then three race Friday, Saturday, Sunday in, in Iowa. Yeah. That's, man, that's a lot of racing. So I wish it could be spread out more, but I think uh, the bang for the buck is what's going to draw all those Euros over at the same time. So yeah. I. A um, couple of things, Spencer, that goes with the scheduling. One was, of course, that the crowd was much smaller on Sunday because everyone's going home, but that's always been the case at Jingle Cross. <laughs> it really has, um, yeah. You know, they they do the Friday. They front load the racing. I mean, what sets us differently than Europe is that this was the first time that there's been a World Cup in the U.S. where they've charged spectator fees on Saturday, and there was no racing on Saturday except the pros. I thought that was pretty cool to see. I like how they kept the track pretty um, clear. Now... The, the downside of that is that Sunday happens, people get their 45-plus Masters race at 8 in the morning, and then they pack up and leave. They're not going to stick around to see the C1 yeah. if they know Vout Van Art isn't going to be there and some of the others. But, um, you know, I it was the was easiest a... C1 points that you could get on the entire calendar. I, I don't know, man. People were saying that, but, like, look at the top 10. There's some, there's some fast but heroes in there. C1, you know? C1 points go deeper than 10, though. No, right. I know, but I'm just saying, like, like 
you're having the Sweet Brothers like three and four, and and the younger Vanderpool. It's not he hasn't yeah, been having a great year, but he's no slouch, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, so again, little guy, I don't not think really... it's like it's not it's not saying that no one's at the C one. I'm talking more from a spectator point of view that like there is. The pictures were a lot, you know, it's just not yeah. the World Cup. It's not like a, it's like having the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl, right? Like it's not it's not going to get anywhere near the amount of coverage or interest from the fans. Oh, yeah, that but, that makes sense. But, man, I wish I was there. That would have been awesome. Well, but you were busy uh, roofing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lamo doesn't want water dripping into his kitchen. <laughs> hey, I want to uh, other shout out uh, real quick is Tobin Ortenblad of the Santa Cruz racing team, current U23 national champion. Um, yeah. I'm all in on that guy. He is. He's having a great year. Dude, you, a, the kid you... looks amazing. <laughs> B, his no, his name is Orton Blood or Blad or whatever. I'm all about it. I, uh, now, Tim, uh, you may not remember this. <laughs> you may not remember this, but you've been all in on this guy for a while. Yeah, well, I, I forget these things. Yeah, Tell me you've, more. you've been in on him since uh, I believe it was the Worlds or uh, or something right before Worlds leading up uh, when he was trolling the European commentators on Twitter. Uh, oh, is that him? Questions, yes. Oh, my God. I am all about that guy even more. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, Mick Tubbin on Twitter. That's Mick Tubbin? <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, dude. That guy gets a giant seal of approval. We got to get an interview with him before um, Crosshairs Radio gets an interview with him. Yeah, I know it's a it's a neck and neck battle uh, with with Bill for for all the good guests these days. Yeah, you got that right. So it's pretty cool to see um, to see him do well, and I think that uh, we will get um, more uh, talk about uh, this in a second. But before we get to um, Cross Vegas, let's uh, take a quick prem lap. Okay, let me see if I can find the bell. Oh, here it is. <laughs> cool. uh, this is Stephen Hyde with Cannondale Cyclocrossworld.com, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Yeah? All right, so this week we'd like to once again remind you and thank you for all of our. Um, Wide Angle Podium members that have supported the podcast and brought us here. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we wanted to point out, Spencer, you and I were talking about this week, was that the individual that comes through on the Wide Angle Podium um, family of shows Mm -hmm. is the one and only Adam Meyerson, who comes in with an incredible interview with U.S. Olympian Bobby Lee. And I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it. It's a little bit long, but man, do they cover a lot of great stuff. They really do. Uh, And that you know, the drive that we had and the support we got, like really, um, I think it pushed Adam into being like, oh man, like people really do want to hear, you know, what I have to put out there to the world and the interviews I could do. So, uh, you know, he stepped up his game and he brought us the Ryan Trayvon uh, the other week. And then he brought us this super in-depth interview with Bobby Lee. Uh, they get they get into it about the Olympics, why he wasn't performing as well as he thought he would there. Uh, they get into it about his suspension uh, last year, and they get into a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, it's well over an hour um, of super good quality stuff that, um, you know, hey, thanks to all the supporters. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff we want to bring you here on Wide Angle Podium. 
So that's right. And I so take a listen. Go to wideanglepodium.com to learn more about the family of shows. <laughs> bonus content also includes Crosshairs Radio. Crosshairs just got done with, I believe, a Sven Nice interview that may oh, be coming that out on, be, that couldn't be true. on Crosshairs Radio. No way. Um, we also have the Consummate Athlete. Mm-hmm. We have the Honest Bicycle Program. I was listening to their show the other week. They were talking about John Cena, which was pretty awesome <laughs> for me because I like fake wrestling. And um, so, yeah, check out the Wide Angle Podium yeah. uh, Family of Networks. And if you I, like what I we do, do uh, think of uh, becoming a member, and we appreciate it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a special shout out to the consummate athlete too, because they they need more uh, they need more listens, um, and they've been putting out great stuff every week. Um, last week they had uh, how to jump your bike, like they talked to uh, one of the one of the leading uh, mountain bike athletes out there, and it was it was awesome. Like I learned a lot of stuff. I've been riding bikes for a long time, and you know it's it's good stuff. I don't know. Check it out Is if it? you haven't. That one's worth a listen. So are we yeah. going to see, like, tail whips over the barrier soon? Wheels you? wheels oh, are dude. leaving the ground. You know, it's been long been my uh, mantra that my wheels do not leave the ground because yeah. bad things happen. But, uh, yeah, you might see me uh, airing it out. For fuck's sake, kid. This is Adam fucking Myerson, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Tim, Tim, were you yeah. there the time that Spencer destroyed a zip wheel oh, jumping? Yeah. No, but I was there one time when um, uh, Spencer cracked his uh, his carbon bar and stem combo on a cross cross course. Oh yeah, that I don't remember. Where was that? That was a Como. Remember that? It was like a, was it Como? Oh, it was Como. Como. That was a fun race. Was I fun wish race. that so, happened sure. again. Yeah, that was a short-term, uh, short-term uh, event. I've I've ridden um, that was in the pre lap in a warm up lap at the Como the one year long uh, first annual and last annual Como yeah. Park Cyclocross race. Did a warm up lap first time I'd had carbon bars on a cross bike cracked them that was awesome was, and then was that those little like like twenty five four ITM bars or something Yeah yeah you yeah. had they're, for they're a while the, okay garbage. yeah yeah um, but then. I another time I flew out to San Francisco to visit a friend and uh, borrowed a cross bike out there to do one of the San Francisco Super Prestige races, and uh, the borrowed bike I had had carbon bars on it, and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I I really don't like this, and uh, she was like, it's fine. So got on the bike, started doing a pre lap, dropped off some little, you know, log pile thing that was in the race, and lo and behold, cracked the bars. <laughs> I was like, never again. Never yeah. again. So they are sketchy. I mean, I'm sure they're getting better, but uh, they were pretty sketchy for a while. Yeah, I don't know if there was some history to those ones or not, but it uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. You didn't um, get the rundown on what dumpster they came out of. Yeah, no, not exactly. But yeah, cracking the wheel that was that was the last straw. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, no more fancy stuff on my crossback. It just needs to be like working man type of like blue collar stuff that i can just repair or throw away yeah that was sad those zip wheels had seen a lot of racing but man that thing exploded (laughs) so now before the pre-lap we were uh we were talking about jingle cross right and we wanted to get into cross vegas and it seems like it was so far ago that 
so long ago, just a year ago, that we had our first ever Cyclocross World Cup in the U.S., and now we have the second time we've been at Cross Vegas. And gentlemen, once again, it was another speed fest. It looked like a crit out there on the grass. And I'll be the first to say it. I appreciate what Cross Vegas has done for cross in the U.S. I think without it, we wouldn't have Jingle Cross as a World Cup. Um, but I'm not really a big fan of this race other than when I'm there to experience it with the bike community. I just, that course just doesn't do it for me. And I, I'm just not into the late night start. It was 1 a.m. on the East Coast by the time it was Whoa. done on a Wednesday. Uh, it was kind yeah. of rough, man. I didn't, I don't even like pretend that I could watch it anymore because yeah. it's I, just too late and I got to go to bed and look at it the next day. Yeah, I did not stay up for it either. Um, and I've, I've raced that course uh multiple times uh, i've done the uci race out there poorly um it's a it's a hard course like the grass like they say it's like velcro you know they always say this it's hard to describe but it really is like it's soul sucking like you just can't make the bike go that fast and but outside of that like it's not a difficult course like there's that one climb is kind of hard but like other than that, it's a lot of twisty turns and fun and people shouting at you, which is rad. But, um, yeah, you know, I was – there's better courses out there. I've always said better courses that could be more suitable World Cup, and I think we got that in Jingle Cross. And like Tim said, it's due in, in no small part to uh, what Cross Vegas has brought. So, you know, it definitely so there's better. Place. So th there's something I want to point out there, though, that you said, Spencer, and I don't think this is what you're um, getting at per se. It's that – yeah, there are better courses out there that it would be awesome to see on the World Cup, but there's not essentially better promoters than the guys that have taken the leap and the, the yeah. groups that have taken the leap of like Brooks that does um, Cross Vegas and then Mian that does uh, Jingle Cross. It's a special type of promoter. It's As true. an example, I mean, how many times have we read about the race in Providence that's now going to be <laughs> Connecticut to be a World Cup in Cross? Yeah. Yeah. There's been at least four different press releases to cycling news over the last 10 years about how that was going to happen. Whereas Cross Vegas, happen. not the ideal course at all, but they're willing to put their money where their mouth is to get it done. Um, and that deserves a lot of credit. Now, my big fear, so and this goes into the let bigger... Me, let me just compare those two really quick. I'll let you get back to your point. Cross Vegas is like, you know, you could call it a circus race, right? Like it's very Vegas. There's a lot going on. A lot of showmanship. They built the little wall ramp thing. They built flyovers. It's it's all like very gaudy in a weird sort of way. Like, but not bad. Like, it gets the job done. Providence, on the other hand, tried to do all that stuff, but it was like that sad kind of county circus that comes to town where the lions all kind of, you know, you can see his ribs, and you know, you're just like, oh, this is kind of sad. Like, you're not really there, you know? Yeah. It had that kind of uh, vibe going. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, their whole, like, it does have the, the circus race aspect to it. But what makes Cross Vegas successful is that inner bike is there, right? Like, yeah. there is that spectacle of the industry and the money within the industry to sponsor the event. Mm -hmm. And they do a good job of that. And the the venue, more or less, is, is okay. I think the only thing that would make the venue... Um, better in my opinion would be if there was some kind of asphalt in the race course like you know something that presented like represented some kind of uh race course with a road mm -hmm. i guess um 
there is a lot of the circus features, the wall ramps and all that to make it exciting and the run-ups, sure. I just they do it's a really annoying. good job for what and, they have, I gotta yes, say. Yes, absolutely. So not taking away, but here's the fear that I have for the Cross Vegas promoters is that from an industry perspective, if you look at the numbers for the attendees at Interbike and mm-hmm. the amount of businesses that are going to Interbike now, it is drastically falling off. Um, eight, nine years ago when uh, Cross Vegas first started, the attendance was much higher overall at the show. So while Cross Vegas has become more of the thing to do on Wednesday night, like it is the thing to do on the first night of um, Vegas, yeah. th- there's less people going to Vegas. So I could see at some point that that race just goes away because if Interbike leaves Vegas, Cross Vegas does not happen. And yeah, I think that's an important yeah. thing for people nobody's going to travel there to for any reason other than interbike right yes and that that that's an important thing and you know i think very well we could be seeing the end of interbike going to vegas um maybe going like who knows it's always been a long-term industry rumor on where it's going to go i mean at one point it was going to be anaheim there's talk of denver salt lake city Mm -hmm. the problem is that you know the long term, how long you keep a show in a certain city and all that, that I don't know if you're going to see more of these, um, another World's Cup that's based strictly on a uh, uh, a trade show happen again. So yeah. if you want to go to Las Vegas, next year may be your, uh, one of your last opportunities. Well, the, the one positive you could take uh, uh, from that, if Las Vegas disappeared off, off of the face of the earth and it didn't happen anymore, Jingle Cross has now crossed the threshold into World Cup territory, and it moved its calendar slot, you know, from early December, late November, all the way up into September to fit with Cross Vegas. And if Cross Vegas wasn't there, it could move right back to its normal spot. So, but could it? Could it? Do you think it could get Euros to come over mid-season? I think they're all afraid of that. They're all really afraid of yeah, jet lag. Yeah, they would be. I think be, it could happen. I think it could happen. Points. The points, points, little guy. There's so yeah, many yeah. points. Did uh, uh, there were there were some some interesting points calculations happening where it was like, oh, some of the U.S. women who weren't you know expected to do and men actually who weren't expected to do really well uh, overall in the race, just by kind of starting and finishing where they were going to finish, were going to get more points than they would finishing like sixth, seventh, eighth in a C1. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like finishing 30th in a World Cup gets you a lot of points. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the – I think it could happen, little guy, and here's why I think it could happen, is that if you get Jingle Cross to do like even a late October, November date, and then you find one other race to be the weekend before, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any reason why that you could have two World Cups in North America. So let's say they get – something in Montreal with the, those promoters that like to cancel races. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get Trek. Mm-hmm. seems like Trek is all about this event, um, that they're building up for it. They obviously have the money to put on a World's Cup on their venue if they wanted. You could have a quick little back-to-back between a World's Cup in Madison and a World's Cup in Iowa City a week apart that these top guys are going to come to and the top women are going to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of yeah. like how they do it with, uh, you know, everyone in F1 has to go to all the races around the world. I mean – it is the World Cup, and there's, what, nine of them this season, or seven? Sorry? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. I just, I, don't I know, know you don't like facts like someone else that's on our TV <sighs> while we're recording. but Oh, big hey, political uh, hit. <laughs> so uh, real quick, 
Wout Van Aert takes the win in Cross Vegas. Michael Van Tort out in second, and Lauren Sweek in third. The Young Guns. Um, Do you guys? Rob I really Pierce like Michael Van Torn out. Rob I really like the way he races. He just like he's no he's just willing to get off the front like every race, and he knows he's gonna get caught. Mm-hmm. Top non-Belgian. But he does it. Top non-Belgian. Yep. Eighth place from Germany. Philip Walspleen. He's back, baby. He's still up. Didn't he have mono or something last year? Pretty cool seeing him back, huh? Yeah. So, and then on the women's side of things, we have the before mentioned Sophie DeBoer taking the win over um, Katarina Nash and Katie Compton in third. Oh, Katie Compton did leave an, give an interview um, after the race that she's not going to be doing um, too many World Cups. She's only got a couple more on the schedule. It looks like she's going all in for one last run at the um, the world title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you guys good think it's because she actually doesn't want to, or just because Trek stopped ponying up the money? It's because she does. She wants to win worlds. Come on, it's the same thing that uh, Sana Kant is doing. Like she didn't have very good showings in Vegas or in Iowa, and everybody was like, "Oh, what's wrong with Sana? What's wrong with Sana?" And yeah, the season's it's, long. It's very clear that she is like, "I've been here. I've done that. I've won the World Cup a couple times. Like I want to win the World Championship." Now, how many? How many times has uh, Compton won the World Cup? Once or twice? A hundred. hundred, yeah. It's definitely no, the overall. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I was curious. So, anyways, Cross Vegas happened. It's over. But, um, well, well, there's one more thing you left out, which I think is important, is uh, we had our first U23 champion there on the women's side. Uh, Ellen Noble finished, uh, I think, in eighth place in Vegas. And... Uh, donned the first women's U23 leaders jersey. Oh, thank you for reminding oh. me. That is very important. Thank you. Yeah. Which she wore in Jingle Cross. Oh, is what that is what it? that was? What yep. does it look like? Yeah, I didn't see it. What it's, does it look like? It's all white with a big red stripe uh, horizontal across the, you know, across the chest. Hmm. Okay. It's, no, it's a good looking look jersey. Yeah. Cool. So, um... Before we move on, uh, one cyclocross question did come in from a uh, supporter of the podcast, Ruby Roubaix. Hey, guys, missed you this week. Anyways, during the excellent UCI coverage of Jingo Cross, which was amazing, by the way, the NBC Sports coverage um, on the NBC Sports app, there was a lot of people complaining, looking for workarounds. And I'm telling you, if you have a friend whose parents are willing to give you their <laughs> login, that was some amazing coverage. We all if you had cable TV or satellite TV, you could have gotten it. It was easy yeah. to find. And Tim Johnson on the color commentating. And then um, it's the guy from uh, – that does, is it not Craig Hummer? It's the guy that does the the desk of uh, during the Tour de France, like the guy that does all the dumb questions when they talk about uh, – when they pick the racers that are going to win. He yeah, was doing the uh, play-by-play, and they were fantastic. It, like Tim Johnson should be calling the Tour de France as far as I'm concerned with this other guy that was calling the play-by-play. I thought – that they did an amazing job. Tim Johnson did not dumb it down one bit. He he provided accurate information in a way that would allow someone new that stumbled upon the coverage to watch and understand what was going on. And for you know an established fan like myself, I was like, wow, thanks for bringing that up, Tim. Like that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you, you guys didn't listen to the Tim Johnson no. coverage. Well, I didn't. Listen to any coverage. I was at the watching party where there was a lot of, uh, you know, our own conversation and commentary was kind of drowning out a lot of the uh, 
live commentary there at the race, so I'll have to backtrack and, and see the replay on that one. All right, well, it's it's very good, and I apologize I don't know the name of the gentleman that was doing the play-by-play, but it was very, very good. But back to Ruby's questions. Anyways, during the excellent UCI coverage of Jingle Cross, one of the guys calling the race mentioned that Vout Van Aert was being followed by a TV crew for some sort of reality TV show. Yes. <laughs> I've had a quick trawl of the internets and found nothing. Do you guys know any more details about this show or even what it might be called? Now, I don't know anything, but... Would you guys watch a show about Vout Van Art? Yeah, have you seen his hair? I want to know how that happens. I mean, that's the main the main thing is we'll maybe get some styling tips. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I want to know if 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 he likes being the what is it the New York Yankees of cyclocross now. I mean, he put on some dominating performances, and I don't want him to win a race ever. He could be the nicest guy around, and it's just like. I'm going to cheer for everybody else because I want there to be someone else that wins because this guy's just too damn good. Yeah. He, it's I like it's not out of hate. It's not out of hate of the guy. It's just like he understands that though. Cause he's sort of been saying how he really wants Vanderpool to come back, you know? Oh man. Well, how, could where he said, how could you not, if you're at the top yeah. of your game and you're the number one in the world, like how could you not want number two to push you, you know? Like, yeah. The rest of these guys, as good as they are, it's not this like he won Jingle Cross handily with a fucking stick in his wheel and a broken toe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean he's won fun. everything this year. Yeah, yeah, that he's done. So, but yeah, but I yeah, I I'm with you, Tim. But I'd still totally watch him. I and come on, look at that hair. I I would watch it. I I wonder what it's gonna be called. He's right like now. he he's got like kind of like a like a like a little sexy Belgian Bieber thing going on. I mean, who, well, come on, Bieber, a little Bieber. Bieber was like Bieber. another foot taller and lost like, I don't know, 40 pounds. Yeah, I thought you said, I didn't hear you say Bieber. I thought you said Beaver, and I was thinking of a Belgian Beaver. And I was like, man, that would be a great nickname for this guy. Belgian <laughs> what, Beaver? What is a yeah. Belgian What is a Belgian Beaver? Uh, he's the Belgian Vanner. Beaver. Because huh. he just chews through the competition, which yep. the competition in this instance are trees. There you go. We got it. <laughs> There you we, go. We knocked so, another one out of the park, you guys. Yeah, we got the leprechaun and we got the Belgian beaver. So what's next on Psychocross season? <laughs> so before we get into the other big um, news, there was something I wanted to bring up with you guys. You guys know um, I'm, I'm a Strava kind of nerd. I, I don't log into Strava all the time to see where my friends and compatriots are, are riding. I don't really care about that. But I have been doing quite a bit of Strava stalking lately. Okay. Okay. Have you guys ever done this? No. Who are you stalking? I don't really want to say who I'm stalking, but there's oh. definitely a few characters in the Orlando cycling scene. I'm starting to like check out their uh, Strava every now and then, see what KOMs they've got, so then I can start um, sniping them. Uh, oh, quick question so... about KOMs. Are there KOMs in Florida? Well, they're just segments. So down here, there's not like climbs, haha, because I know Florida's flat. But um, there's definitely sections of roadway that, you know, it'd be like a three... Can... You know, yeah, KOM a mile stretch. And KOM it's like, hey, is no longer uh, king of a mountain. It is just a shortened yeah. uh, terminology that Strava has taken over, and you know, to mean the leader of something. You know, like Tim, yeah, you, I, I think Tim, so. I think I think that little guy, since he's not on Strava, doesn't really understand. That's no, true. I don't know how Strava works. Little guy, Tim, have not you really thought about? No, I'm not a millennial. I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, have you, Tim? Have you thought about? Uh, doing a segment that's just going up the ramp in a parking garage, like from the bottom to the top and actually doing like a, a, a KOM. 
No, because I don't know if Strava would be able to recognize that because the GPS be, wouldn't vary enough. Because be you're would. just going on top. I mean, I guess that I could. I, I you should really try that. Would you it's try not that like for you're me? going up a ladder, Tim. Because like, be... here's the thing. People would be like freaked. They'd be like, whoa, where did Tim Hayes find this climb? This is like a legit <laughs> climb. Like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And uh, then they'll get there and they'll realize it's a parking garage. Yeah. And you'll maybe have it for a while if you can get a time. You got to go late so, at night. Yeah, you just no got to get the, the nine, ten story spiral all the way up. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh. that'd be awesome. That'd be a sweet segment. Well, I think that, yeah, I, I like this idea, little guy. Um, and, you know, and that goes into hand in hand with my new um, my new goal is just to start sniping um, people's KOMs. But this is how I want to do it. Okay. I kind of want to, like, you know, I've got some candidates. I haven't chosen one person yet. Um, they're all <laughs> nice people, I'm sure. But I kind of want to just, like, and I'm not friends with them on Strava, so they don't really know who I am. But I kind of want to just, like, Every time they log in, they're like, man, Tim took another Strava KOM from me, right? So they have like a list of like 15 and then they get that email and they're like, who's this guy that keeps taking all my Strava KOMs? And it's because I'm totally following every single ride that they go on and I'm just copying. But then maybe I have Sarah motor pacing me on the scooter. Maybe. Did, yeah. did you like, did you like secretly lose your job or something and you're looking for something to do? No, this is all going to be <laughs> happening on the weekend. Oh, okay. Tim's got all scheduled out. I haven't out. done any of this yet. Because in this scenario, it sounds like you suddenly have an insane amount of free time on your yeah, hands. Yeah, no, I don't have. No, I haven't been able to like really in depth think about it. I just wanted to bounce off this guy, this to you guys that I'm thinking of becoming a Strava hunter. I think it would be an amazing. Like, the downside though is that I don't know if I'm fast enough to do it. Right? Because like. That's a serious downside. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty big Got downside. Yeah, so, so like, it's a really good idea on paper, and it could be a lot of fun uh -huh. to get like these to send out disappointing uh, emails that are automated, like, "Oh, rats, Tim took your KOM again." But I don't know if I'm fast enough well, to actually get the KOM. You know what you should do is hire a coach and tell them you're specifically training to take Strava KOMs from local cyclists and see, you know, see what sort of training plan they can come up for you. I like that idea. Man, uh, I bet I bet there's people that have done that. I mean, <laughs> you know, probably. there's people. That... There's probably some. Uh, there's probably some good coaches out there too. So, I mean, anyway, I want to um, move on to the next topic of discussion, and that's that um, Lance Armstrong. I'm sorry, Bradley Wiggins is back oh, in the news again. The um, burn. And uh, little guy, why don't you take it away with the reintroduction of Bradley Wiggins into our consciousness? And we were all so many, so much fans of him um, just, what, three months ago at the Olympics or, you know, before the Olympics when he was doing his thing. I don't know, man. I think you should go back to the past episodes. I'm pretty sure I've never liked Bradley Wiggins. But he seems to be getting very convenient uh, asthma injections. Just, you know, right before big events. Pretty nice doses. Uh, so, yeah, we got this whole T TUE thing. and. Uh, I don't know, man. It makes him look like a cheat. What do you guys think? Now, hang on. Are you referring to bearded Bradley Wiggins or clean-shaven Bradley Wiggins? Because as we know, those are two very different people. I'm referring... To, I think I'm talking about clean-shaven. Yeah, I, that's I what I I wish I knew a good a good uh, British like insult. Is he like a fop or something? <laughs> or he's a bloody fop or something? He just seems like... 
He just seems like a, a self-important jerk that feels like he can say in his book that he never had injections. And then, oh, it comes out that he did have injections, but it's cool because I have mm. asthma, which is bullshit. Nobody has fucking asthma. Yeah. Well, a lot of cyclists seem to he have asthma. He has hay fever, I thought. Yeah, if now, you have asthma, that's, I mean, fuck off. Like, you don't get to be fast then. Like, that's a thing that slows you down. I just don't... I. You know, here's the thing with TUEs. We knew that this was happening. It's about, you know, of course, the news is unveiled because Russian hackers have gone after the WADA records. Uh, say their name, Tim. Say their name. Yeah. They have a good name. The Russian hackers? Yeah. Yeah. What are they? Fancy Bear. Fancy, Fancy Bear. Fancy Bear. Fancy Bear goes after and releases these, and... This has been a pretty well-known secret within the cycling world and the sports world at whole that there's pretty much legalized doping if you can get a doctor to write the um, TUE, the therapeutic use exemption. Yeah, yeah. And Wiggins has a doctor that did that. Um, the doctor may or may not be the same doctor um, of uh, Donald Trump was one of the greatest memes <laughs> that I saw on the internet this week. <laughs> but, um, you know, the truth is, is that there's a lot of asthma. There's a lot of inhalers that get um, uh, granted TUEs, and maybe Bradley Wiggins just has really bad hay fever, guys. But hey, I guess all, everything all... I've read, I don't know about <laughs> Wiggins. It just seems like yeah, he's well, getting an injection, a pretty powerful injection, as opposed to just getting. We all an know, idea. you know, uh, Alessandro Pataki will tell you first and foremost, it just one too many puffs is all it takes to put you over the edge. Yeah, I. And so that's why you got to get the super powerful injection that yeah. just happens to also be a drug that, you know, could make you leaner and mm -hmm. not make you lose power at the same time. It turns out a lot of guys seem to magically have to get an injection of it like a couple of weeks before a grand tour. Well, I mean, I think the little guy, your point, though, about Bradley Wiggins writing the book saying that he didn't take injections and now he's getting injections and needles. That's is pretty telling. Yeah, that's, well, that's the, the serious problem. Yeah, I know this is all like technically totally legal. Yeah. But the thing is, is Wiggins is always, and Wiggins and Sky have always tried to make themselves seem like they're above the fray. They're better. They're like, come on, we're all English. We're all speaking the same language here. We wouldn't deceive you. It's those scary Italians. Yeah. And then obviously yeah. they're 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 shady. Now what I like was that Fancy Bear also released these very damning. Uh, evidence against Cancellara that he had bee stings and he had to get medically treated for it. Ooh, no, Cancellara. Yeah. And but are we, I mean, Cancellara is obviously Luigi and that's going to be coming out very soon with Operation Puerto. I mean, I think that there needs to be a um, reconciliation, obviously, with the, the old guard of dopers. What sucks about Wiggins is that he was always purporting to be clean yeah. And you have these TUEs that are very like, wait a second, like that TUE is, uh, you know, like it's very it's a little on the line. And so TUEs... now the question is, why don't we just get rid of TUEs? Right, like TUEs are, well, like nothing that's really happened is like outside of the rules because TUEs let you do that inside of the rules. So I don't know if it's not like that in other sports or whatever, but yeah, you can you can dump all that out into the newspapers and whatnot, and everybody freaks out like, oh, there's all this doping, and you're like, well. Uh, we knew that's like it was yeah i mean i would say it's probably worse in other sports because in cycling we actually talk about this stuff all the time and yeah. to be a cycling fan is to know weird things about 
um, medical problems and <laughs> drugs for them that you or anyone you personally know does not have. Yeah. And so I we can't get rid of TUEs. Like people do actually need medicine. Yeah. <laughs> like someone could be sick. But just to to go with this, like the same with like when Froome had a chest infection and they gave him a TUE and then he went and raced and won Romandy. Like if you're so sick that you have to take any kind of like steroid or like, yeah, you know, like if if you couldn't at least normally be like at home and not dying, then you shouldn't be able to get a TUE for for whatever's making you die so you Should can there race. there be limits on the TUE? Is like a certain number you could get or a certain amount of days you could race I think they just need to get rid of... Like I just think they need to get rid of um, TUEs as a whole. Well, then... So, yeah, so then you, you want someone to just sick. die. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Then your physiology isn't going to be able to get you to the top of the mountain. No, but, first, but like right. part of the TUEs in a perfect world would be like... Bradley Wiggins has a bad attack of asthma, right? And he goes and he gets as he gets like a really he gets a strong medicine for it. But in a perfect world, he would sit out at that point, like just so we know there is no unfair advantage. But since there's out of competition testing, it would be totally unfair if someone's like, "Look, I had a terrible asthma attack. Like I needed some medicine, and I'm not racing right now. Like there's no you can't think I'm getting an unfair advantage in that way. Mm-hmm. But like taking it." And having a prescription and getting a thing that's like, oh, it'll just cover me for when I go to my biggest race of the year. It's just clear up the lungs a little bit. Like, yeah, we all want to clear up the lungs a little bit for the biggest race it's of the year. Fancy Bear is doing the world a favor, um, showing the hypocrisy that is throughout the um, the sport. And what's sad is, as cycling fans, um, we have become so accustomed to this type of thing that we can kind of just look past it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, like we've just kind of accepted it. Um, and yeah, pretty par for the course. Well, what the thing is now is like, thanks, Fancy Bear, because I don't think the Russians are the only cheats anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, is that just I think, Katusha? I think you're still a bunch of cheats, Russia. Uh... Oh, speaking of Katusha, um, little guy, a little tidbit of news uh, came across the uh, the old. Uh, News mag uh, today was a Waki or Joachim y- y- Rodriguez. Say it however you want. Yeah, maybe signing for one more year with the uh, Lamprey Bahrain team. I saw that, you know, and had I don't want him to go to that team, but I do want him to keep racing. And I, I really hope he's only going to keep racing to spite Katusha because they're making him race like Lombardy and stuff next weekend or whatever. And he didn't want to keep racing. He wanted to go out on his own terms. So that they forced him to race. He's like, fine, that's it. I'll train and I'll win a bunch of shit next year. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's could uh, be. Could be. Anyway. Well, dudes, I think that we've uh, pretty much conquered the world of cycling from our one week hiatus. And um, we'll be back next week, talk a little bit more about the world of cycling. We'd like to have people email us their questions we'll do like a mailbag episode a little bit more questions emailed their way yeah the really? slow ride podcast at gmail.com you can also tweet us at the slow ride pod um we uh we we need some good questions also check out all the wide angle podium partner shows like we mentioned the myerson line all new this week with u.s olympian um bobby lee talks about his court of arbitration and sport case in, re- in regards to his um doping suspension Really cool stuff from Meyerson, um, and we got Crosshairs Radio, which is about to slay it 
with some interviews from his wonderful um, Into the Crosshairs uh, um, tour across the United States. So um, with that, we'd like to um, remind you to wave at all of your fellow cyclists that you see out on the side of the road. They're the mm-hmm. most important people out there, not you. Just wave, embrace them into the culture. And uh, thank BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment for his intro and outro music. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Anything BK1. else you guys want to add? I want to uh, just add, uh, everyone should have a pump with them when they're on a bike ride. The last two times I've been in the Greenway, I've had to loan someone my pump, which isn't terrible. I don't feel bad about loaning someone my pump, but like, come on, people. Get some tools. <laughs> Do you feel better loaning people a pump or, say, some aero bar clip-ons? Um, I'm, the pump's way better because you, you hand them the pump, they pump up their tire. And, and then they, they hand it, they, they hand it, it back, back to you. Yeah. No, the clip-ons usually when I just run into someone on the greenway and they say, "Can I borrow your clip-ons?" Well, it takes a while. I got to pull out a tool and I got to take them off, clip them on their bike, and then I usually only get maybe like a fourth of the clip-ons back. Oh, okay. Weird. And so that's that's always kind of disappointing because at this point, I mean, I've obviously I started with a thousand pairs of clip-ons, mm-hmm. and uh, now I only have maybe like two hundred full sets but it's like it's kind of mix and match i got three t's with scots and it doesn't make sense well you're lucky tim moved out of town otherwise you'd be a lot lower than that yeah (laughs) that's right you know maybe you did me a favor because i'm glad i actually in truth do not own any aero bars anymore and yeah, I did see, dumpster those from the flanders dumpster. well i mean it's take a shame flanders. I give back to you but i'll take credit for anything that you uh want to give me so i appreciate right. it well that'll wrap it up then guys no, right. no, no, it won't wrap it up. We'll keep going. Oh, no, I'm joking. We're done. All right. We bid you adieu. Oh, him capping. Oh, fucking hell. Him capping. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.